Come on, I dare you just begin to worship him. The chorus says, oh, how he loves us. I don't know about you, I couldn't have loved him enough to deserve what he did for me, but I dare you just begin to worship him for how much he loved you. Come on, as we sing that chorus just one more time. you can do better than that. I dare you just begin to put your hands together. I dare you just begin to bless the Lord at all times. And in praise, look at somebody beside you and say, do you know he loves you today? As you remain standing, if you don't mind, turn in your word to Numbers chapter 23. If you would just remain standing, Numbers chapter 23 today. It's such a privilege and an honor to be preaching for Bishop Matthews today. I've, I've known Bishop for quite a while, and to be serving underneath him is such a privilege and an honor. I don't take it very lightly. How many know we have a great gift in the house? Amen. I'm going to say that again. How many know we have a great gift as a leader in this house? He has, I can't even call him a friend because if I call him a friend, that would mean I'm equal with him. But I, I consider him to be my pastor. I consider him to be my bishop, my, my mentor, my one that picks me up when I get down sometimes. The one that speaks a word into my life. And that him and Renee have been such a blessing to me and my wife uh, through the years. And it's such a privilege to be here. You guys have embraced us. You guys have been here for us and, and just took us in in a time when we need to be loved and you know it's it's such a great thing to hear your three-year-old your eight-year-old and your teenagers be excited about church again amen come on now even when you're not excited having you know the three-year-old when they when they're excited about it it'll get you out of the bed amen 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 uh, i have some special guests here today my my mother and father came all the way from la not not la california but logan county logan area and, uh, <laughs> amen. 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 I, I see one of my friends out there back in the back, Dr. Gary Pickens, uh, which is down in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, he's serving with a guy uh, that 
is running a tremendous ministry down there in Tampa called Crossover Church. If you guys ever want to look them up, look them up. I promise you'll be blessed. Uh, the pastor is a f- former, current, still yet uh, Christian rapper named Urban D, if anybody's ever heard of him. Uh, but they're running a tremendous ministry reaching Tampa uh, in the urban city. And how many you know sometimes you got to do some things different to reach some people? Amen. And uh, they're a blessing. We've enjoyed being around each other. He's been back in this week. We've had dinner and just talked. And Pastor Pickens, it's an honor for you to be in the room today. And uh, I don't know about you. Let's put our hands together. How many know we have some of the greatest leadership in this church? Amen. Come on, just put your hands together. Just appreciate them. Just appreciate them. Just tell them thank you for all they do. For all the children's workers, the ushers, I thank God when it's raining, we got people out there carrying umbrellas and sacrificing themselves for you and, and smiling at you at the door. And, 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 and we have small group leaders that are sacrificing their time. And how many know our leadership is important? Amen. 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 So we're Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. I want to read about three scriptures here, then we're going to get into the word this morning. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It's a very familiar scripture, but I want to kind of take a little different twist on it this morning. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? And hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? (laughs) Having no matter what you're going through, no matter if it's bad, having no God's going to turn it around for your good. Amen. He says, behold, I have received a commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. I'm going to say that to you again because somebody should have shouted. He says, I have received a commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. (laughs) He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel and the Lord is good is God with him and the shout of a king is among them there is a shout of a king among them I want you to grab your neighbor by the hand and just hold it for a few minutes look at him and say do you realize how blessed you are come on tell him like you mean to say do you realize how blessed you are continue to hold him by the hand I want to preach a message this morning called, he can't take it back. Yeah, he can't, he can't take it back. No matter if he would want to, no matter even if the enemy tries to, he cannot take it back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for the, for the opportunity, God, to come into your presence, God. God, the Bible says, God, we're two or three, God. God, are, God are touching and agreeing, God, it shall be done. God, the Bible also says, God, that wherever two or three gather in your name, God, there you are in the presence. Father, we thank you, God, God, for great worship. God, we thank you, God, for great leadership. But God, more importantly, God, we thank you for a great God. God, we thank you for a God that sits in our presence today. Father, God, I ask you, God, the same way that back in Acts chapter 2, that God, when we were in one mind and one accord, God, you came down and sat with us within the Holy Spirit. And so, Father God, I ask you, God, to sit on us this morning, God. Sit on our families this morning, God. Sit on our minds this morning, God. Sit 
on our emotions, God, this morning. God, set, God, here on this house. That, God, we will never be the same, God. That, God, shift will begin to happen in this church, God. God, the change is going to happen in somebody else's life. God, we thank you, God, and we praise you, Father God, because we'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, just high-five one person and tell him he can't take it back. He can't take it back. 2013, we have been, I kind of want to just kind of piggyback and kind of ride into the future of uh, of the next season of this church. But I want to kind of piggyback onto something that you guys have been speaking, but also at the same time that I believe is very current and very relevant for what's going on, not only in this house before this year. You are in a thing that Bishop keeps declaring over top of this house is a no-fail season. Yeah. Somebody should clap right there. You're in a no-fail season. And how you know a lot of times we declare things in January, but we forget it by May. But how you know the word is still true today? We are in a season that we will not fail over top of our lives. That everything we put our hands to do, to do will be blessed. Everything that we start stepping into will be blessed. Everything that we can see that we're going to take hold of it because we're in a no fail season. 2013 is a year of promises being uh, fulfilled and restored. And, and, and no matter the promise, no matter how long you've been waiting on it, no matter the season that you have been going through in the past, this year, the promise is going to come to pass. Yeah. I want to push you that even if there are some people in your lives that, that maybe you have been witnessing to and trying to pull into the kingdom that maybe told you no, I want you to go back to them and ask them again. Because this time, there's going to be a no-fail witness on your life. Yeah. There's going to be a no-fail witness on your life. Everything that even in your business, some things that may have failed two years ago, but they're still in your heart, go back and try it again because we are in a no-fail season. Come on now. You may have tripped a year ago, but get back up again because how you know the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is the righteous keeps getting back up. And even if it seemed like it failed last year, get back up again and get on the horse of the Holy Spirit and begin to ride that thing out and begin to go into a time that you will not fail. Somebody shout amen. And so sometimes, how many of you know that you have to begin to realize that confession leads to action? Yeah. Confession leads to action and life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I want you to declare this with me. I want to say this. I want you to repeat it. I am in a season that I will not and I cannot fail. I will not walk in fear, but I will walk in faith. I will accomplish everything. Somebody shout everything. God has for me in this season and I will not fail. Come on, say that again. You didn't even believe yourself. Say, I will not fail. Say that with me one more time. I will not fail. Amen. I want to take you to the word now. You're on a season that even the enemy is going to begin to bless you. 
You're in a season that even ones that have been speaking bad about you and you thought were pushing you to the back and weren't giving you the promotion and were rejecting you and putting you to the side. Even your enemy is going to begin to bless you. Come on now. Even the ones that have told you no in the past is going to begin to tell you yes. They ain't even going to have logical reason of why, but they are going to know within their spirit, within their hearts, within their mind, even if it makes no logical sense, I've got to say yes because they're a child of the king. You are in a season that even your enemy is going to bless you. We begin to see here that within the, within the scriptures here, within Numbers chapter 22 through 25, that we begin to see here, as you begin to read it, that Balak that is the king of the Moabites. He is the son of Zephor. You can read this in Numbers chapter 21 through 5. That you begin to read this here, that all of a sudden the king of Moab begins to realize that the Israelites has moved in on his territory. Yeah. Uh, they have been conquering and they have been uh, defeating all of these different uh, uh, foes and all these different enemies. And it says that he defeated the Amorites. The Israelites had defeated the Amorites. And now they decided to move on from their last victory to the next victory. And they begin to take up camp and they begin to reside in the place in the valley of the Moabites. They begin to reside in the enemy's camp. <laughs> And it began to make the enemy nervous. And Balak began to say, he said, you know what? He said, I'm a little nervous because if they defeated them back then, what are they going to do to us? And so he said, he said, go about and go get all of our divinations. Go get all the ones that know how to speak curses on somebody. Go get all the warlocks and the witches. He said, go get them all. And he said, simply Balaam. He said, because Balaam, anything that you've blessed has been blessed and anything that you've cursed has been cursed. Yeah. And can I tell you something? See, whenever you were living for the enemy or whenever you were serving Christ, but uh, you weren't making any noise in the enemy's camp, the enemy didn't worry about you. But now all of a sudden you've got revelation and all of a sudden now you've got the word down inside of you. And now all of a sudden you're walking in a word that you know will work. Come on now. And now all of a sudden you're moving into the enemy's camp. And now that's why the enemy is getting a little upset because you're making him a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah. If he's really living for God and he, and all of a sudden now his family's starting to change. And now all of a sudden uh, he's not so passive on his job, but now he's starting to be a witness on his job. Now, now all of a sudden you're messing with the enemy's camp. Yeah, yeah. But how do you know, instead of taking back what the enemy stole from me, yeah, forget that song. I'm going to go in and take some things before he ever thought about getting to me. And I'm going to go in and take some family members that we thought would never come back into Christ. I'm going to go in and have a Christian business and run it the right way. I'm going to go in and be into politics and run it the right way without having to lie. I'm going to serve a God in a way that no one else has ever seen before. And I promise you, when you begin to do these things, you're going to make the enemy nervous. And all of a sudden, he's going to send out hexes and he's going to send out roots and he's going to have voodoo dolls with your name on it. But how do you know that you are covered underneath the blood of Jesus Christ, my God. 
And the fact that you're covered underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care if he grabs some chicken blood and some rooster feathers. Baby, you're covered underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't care what hex he's put on you. I don't care what root he's trying to work up. You are covered by the roots of Jesse. You are covered by the promises of Abraham. Baby, you just keep on walking in the promises of God. You keep on making that enemy nervous. And you keep on walking in the things. No matter how upset he gets. Baby, you need to begin to make him more upset. You need to make him mad. You need to say, devil, I ain't stopping at this line. But I'm taking everything that God says I can have. Hallelujah. Uh, He begins to put a word in his mouth. (laughs) He begins to put a word in Balaam's mouth. He begins to put a word uh, because Balaam began to get a little nervous. Because how do you know if they're so connected to the spirit, even of the enemy's spirit, how do you know they can get connected to God's spirit? Yeah. And they can begin to get nervous because all of a sudden they begin to realize that's a person right there we got to keep our eyes on. That's a person right there. That's a church right there we got to keep our eyes on. (laughs) I don't know about you. The enemy's very aware of this church. But how do you know? Not only is he aware of it, the one thing he is aware of is that he knows he can't do nothing about it. My God. (laughs) He knows that this church is going to keep on growing. Come on now. He knows that this church is going to keep on lifting up the name of Jesus. He knows that this church is going to keep on getting children saved. He knows that we're going to keep on reaching the down and out and the up and out. That we're going to keep on reaching everybody for the name of Jesus. He's nervous about it, but what he's more than anything else, he's not just nervous, he's upset because he knows he's dealing with a group of people that know who they are and they know whose they are. Come on now. And he's nothing he can do about it. The word Balak, the word Balak in itself, the word Balak, the king of the Moabites, the word Balak in itself means to ruin. It means to ruin. The Bible says in John chapter 10 verse 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. See, this is why it's very important for us to keep the enemy out of our life because he has no good intentions for us. Yeah, we need to get to the place where we hate sin. I know this is old school, but I'm going to go there for a minute because I know Bishop would agree with it. We got to get to the place where we hate sin. Yeah, I know we know this phrase and y'all know it. You you hate sin, but you love the sinner. But can I get to the place? We got to hate sin again. And you know what I found out? I'm not talking about hating sin in other people, but hating it in our own lives. I knew I wouldn't give it two about two amens on that. You got to get to the place where you look at it in your own life and say, God, I refuse to have sin in my life. I refuse to walk around with, with things that I've been walking around with 10 years ago in my life. It's time that I grow up and start serving Jesus the way that I know that I need to serve him. Because anytime we allow the enemy to have just a, a crack in the doorway, uh, how many know his, his whole intention is to kill, steal, and destroy your life? He is out to ruin the things of God. 
And this is what Balak had intention over. He did not say, he, he did not come in with the intention to, just to ask the Israelites to leave and go away and go mind their own business. But he said, Balak, I want you to curse them that they may die. I want you to kill everything about them. And Balaam begins to get a word from God. And all of a sudden he says, I can't curse what God has already blessed. Yeah, yeah. He says, I can't curse what God has already blessed. And he begins to say to him, he says, you know what? He said, Balak, let me take you up to three places that's going to show you what these Israelites are really all about. Let me take you up to three places. He takes him to the top of Baal. He takes him to the top of Pesach. And he takes him to the top of Peor. And this is very significant because there is symbolism. And there, is, or there are things that we can reap from these. We can begin to take the fruit of what the word is beginning to show us. He says, he said, I want to take you up to the top of Baal. And he says, I want you to, sh- and I'm going to begin to show you all of the Israelites. That's in Numbers chapter 22, verse 41. He says, I'm going to show you the utmost. I'm going to show you all of the body of the Israelites, and I'm going to show you the greatest of them. Yeah. But how do you know that when the enemy begins to look at the body of Christ as a whole? How do you know we look pretty good as the body of Christ as a whole? Yeah. We look pretty good. We're still getting people saved around the world. Come on now. Yeah. There are still people, I know there's statistics saying the church isn't growing and the the church isn't serving God, but let me tell you something. There are Muslims coming to Christ every day. Yeah. There are Jews converting to Christianity every day. There are Hindus laying down their idols and coming to Christ every day. There are people being healed in Jesus' name every day. There are people being blood-bought and washed and Holy Ghost filled all across this world. All across. Let me tell you something. You may not even like TV, uh, Christian TV, but let me tell you something. The gospel is still being spread across this nation. Even where a preacher can't go, the word of God is still going because of TV stations and the internet and satellites. Come on now. And where the internet can reach that we cannot reach, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread. Come on now. So as a whole, we look pretty good. And he begins to say, he says, you know what, Balak? I can't curse them because they're blessed. They're doing what God says they're supposed to do. But this word Baal in itself, it means, it means to be a master or Lord. It means to be a master or Lord. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says, you cannot serve two masters. Yeah. How many know the enemy will always get you to a place where you're not only, uh, that if you won't serve him by yourself, he just don't want you to serve Jesus all by himself. So what he wants you to do is dance on the fence in between. That one, on Sunday I'll live for Jesus, but on Tuesday I'll live for the devil. Come on now, I ain't the only one that was excited about a message on Sunday morning, but by Tuesday, dealing with some co-workers, I didn't lost my spirit, I didn't lost my mind, and all of a sudden I'm living for the devil and being a bad witness on Tuesday. And what he wants you to do is live on two sides of the fence. He says, I'm going to take you to a place that you're going to serve two masters. But how many of you know you can't serve two masters? And Revelation says, you're either hot or you're cold. And if you're in between, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out my mouth. He says, I have no use for you whatsoever. He says, I'd rather you be cold and not serving me at all and living for the enemy. He says, but how do you know there's nothing you can do with a fire, fired up, Holy Ghost filled, hot 
Christian. Come on now. Not just hot in their worship. Not just hot in the word, but hot through the week. Hot in the middle of Walmart. Hot in the middle of their, uh, in the middle of their school. Come on now. There's nothing the devil can do when a person gets fired up in the Holy Ghost. That's why he wants you to serve two masters. But when we begin to, to begin to look at this just a little bit deeper here, there's something that's going on that's not just the master. Yeah. But in Hebrew, the word Baal means the master of the woman. Yeah. That's important because how many know we are the bride of Christ? Yeah. Uh, Baal is the root or the origin of Jezebel. It is the root of Jezebel. And if you begin to understand anything or study anything about Jezebel, uh, she calls herself the Ethbel. The Ethbel. It means to be with Baal. With that master. Yeah. And, and, and it says she is the master. He says, I'm going to take you to the place that is the master of the woman. Yeah. How many you know Jezebel can look like a Christian, but she ain't serving Christ at all? And so what the enemy do is, he says, I'll let you flow in your gift. I'll let you flow in your talents. He says, I'll take you to the highest places of serving God. But the problem is all along the way, you don't check your pride. All along the way, you don't check who you are. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that this small group isn't a small group reaching back to Christ, but it's my small group. Yeah. I'm not... Serving in the children's ministry uh, for to reach children, but I'm doing it for a spotlight. I'm doing it for me. I'm not worshiping on stage uh, uh, to sing and worship unto God with the gifts and the talent that God has given me. But I've gotten to the place where it's about me. How many know you can preach and it be about you? And, and the enemy will let you flow in your gifts and take you to the highest places, not even realizing that you ain't even saved along the way. That you have allowed, that you have allowed sin to slide into you. That you have allowed pride to get into you. And so the enemy in the first phase will take you to the place where he is the master of the woman. Yeah. That's why it's important that we serve God in the pureness of the spirit. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is nothing tied to anything. I don't have a secret motive tied to me. I don't have chains hooking me to nothing. But I am free to worship. I am free to lift up his name. I am free to dance. I am free to shout. I ain't got nothing weighing on me. I don't have no secret motive. I don't have no secret lie. I'm not lifting my hands worrying about what somebody else is thinking about me or looking at me. But can I just lift my hands because it's about the king of kings and the lord of lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, he says, I'm going to take you to a place called Pisgah. He says, I'm going to take you to the heights of Pisgah. He says, but in this place, in Numbers chapter 23, verse 13, he says, I'm just going to show you a part of the Israelites. Yeah. If I can't get you to see how bad the body of Christ is as a whole, I'm going to show you, show you the flawed things. Yeah. I'm not going to just show you the greatest in the camp, but I'm going to show you the weakest in the camp. Yeah. I'm going to show you the ones that are leopard. I'm going to show you the ones that are crippled. I'm going to show you the ones that still got some issues, but still serving Jesus. 
I'm going to show you the one that's still dealing with the sin and don't know how to pull away from it. I'm going to show you the one that's just barely making it. My God. But how do you know the worst of the Christians is still the best of the sinners? My God. Maybe you ain't never had some issues. But just like Pastor Jimmy said, he says he's going to take the flawed to the master's table. Come on now. God don't want any perfect people. He just wants some people that know how to serve a perfect God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, enemy, you can show me your worst, but they're still blessed, baby. They're still better because they're blood-bought. They're redeemed by the Lamb of Jesus. They have been covered with the cross. Come on now. See, you ain't clapping because you ain't never had no issues. But when you begin to have some issues and know that God still loves you, just like he does the person that looks like they ain't got no issues. See, that's when I begin to clap that God can use me too. Come on, I dare you to praise him right there. We're in a season right now. In the body of Christ that the enemy is starting to pinpoint the worst of the Christians. Yeah, he's saying, look at that one that's having an affair. Look at that one that's been touching money. Look at that one that's been doing wrong. But how many know they're still blessed, baby? Come on now. They still have a destiny on their life. They still have a purpose on their life. That no matter how bad they are, they are still covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that's against religion. I know that's against everything, but that's what Jesus came for. He said, I'm not coming up underneath this law, but I'm coming to show you grace that even when you don't deserve it, even when you haven't, can't live up to it. He says, I will show you grace and mercy at the mercy seat. My God, give God some praise in this place. But the word pisca in the Hebrew means to cut off. See, the enemy, his ultimate goal is to cut you off from God's presence. Yeah. You need to be real careful when all of a sudden you begin to feel yourself separating. Can I tell you how it works at first? You begin to separate from the fellowship of the believers. Yeah. It don't happen real quickly. Once you're on fire, once you're serving him real hot, but all of a sudden you move back just a couple rows. You're still there. You're still serving, but... You just start slipping back just a little bit at a time. For once you were in there, you were serving, but now all of a sudden he's cutting you off. He, how many know the Bible says when you're blessed, it's because you're connected. Somebody say connected. It's because you're connected to the vine. Can I be real honest? I don't care what issue you got, just stay connected. Yeah. I don't care what issue you got, just stay connected. I don't care if you don't know how to be perfect, don't act perfect, just stay connected, my God. I don't care what marriage issue you got, I don't care what financial issue you got, just stay connected to the presence of God. That even if I don't even know how to get in the presence of God, get around a group of believers that knows how to stay connected. Come on now. That even if I can just get their worship on me, come on now. Even if I can just piggyback their word on me, even if I can just begin to recite and requote what they're saying, that thing will eventually get down inside of you. That's why the enemy wants to cut you off because he wants to cut you off from God's presence. And don't give me this junk that you're serving God at home. 
Don't give me this junk that you're having a Bible study in your house by yourself. You don't have enough... You don't have enough strength to put down the ding-dongs. You ain't going to pick up the King James Bible. Don't y'all dare say I'm preaching like this when Bishop's gone. You got to stay connected. You can't say I will not let anything cut me off. That's why Paul began to say nothing shall separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the only thing that will separate you is you. You are the only source that will, that will cut you off. Nothing you will go through will cut you off except your choices. Number three, he took him up to a place called Peor. Peor means a place of an opening. How many know the enemy wants to open you up to sin? Yeah. He wants to open you up to sin. Because if he can just get in as a thought, uh, all of a sudden he'll get in as an action. Yeah. And what will get in as an action will turn into a stronghold in your life. And can I tell you something the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. He says through one man, sin entered into the world. You have to realize that you are, you may be the only source of blessing of God to someone else in your life. Your family, you are their key. You are their connection. And if the enemy can get sin in you, he gets sin in the camp. I I could show you that all through the scripture. That if he can get sin in you, he'll get sin in the camp. He said, if I can get it in Adam, I can get it in every man from generation to generation. If I can get sin in the woman, I can get it in every daughter and every woman from generation to generation. He wants to open you up because he knows you are the blessing to your family. You are the blessing to your neighborhood. You are the blessing to your job. Can I tell you something? You might be the only reason setting on your job that your job has not crumbled. There are people all around this world that are losing their jobs, being laid off and all kinds of things. But God knows I've got to bless you. Even if that wicked owner isn't serving God, he's still got to serve Come on now. He's still got to bless his servant. So he says, I've got to keep on blessing Jimmy. So no matter what the top does, I've got to keep blessings flowing on him. And as long as he is serving God, as long as he is worshiping God, as long as he is living in the word, he says, I'll keep on blessing that job no matter what they are doing, no matter despite what they're doing. So you ain't got enough faith to even believe that. You ought to have enough faith, enough confidence to walk into your job and say, baby, I'm pleading the blood over top of this place because if it wasn't for me this place would crumble it's not because i'm that smart it's not because i'm that intelligent because it's god i got favor working on my life i got favor working on my life i don't even deserve the promotion but i'm going up because i got favor on my life You ain't got it yet. I got favor on my life. Woo! (laughs) But here all of a sudden, what's crazy is Balaam. Here is the enemy. God says, I want you to do these three things every time you go to a place that Balaam's going to take you to. He said, I want you to do these three things. 
He's going to take you three places, but I want you to contradict it with three times. Yeah. He's going to take you to three places, but I want you to contradict it with three things. He says, number one, every place you go, when he takes you to Best Pisco, when he takes you to Peor, when he takes you to Baal, he says, I want you to build seven altars on the top of those mountains. Yeah. He said, and with the seven altars, he says, I want you to sacrifice a bullock, a bull, and I want you to sacrifice a ram. Yeah. This is very important because they're all symbolism within the three uh, sacrifices that God knows, even though Balaam's serving the enemy. He says, but if you do these three things, I guarantee you it'll work and you'll stay with the word in your mouth. Yeah. So he says, I want you to build me seven altars. Seven altars, that's very important because seven numerically, symbolically in the word of God means a place of completion or perfection. It means a place of completion. He says, I want nothing lacking in your sacrifice. He says, I want nothing lacking. You'll get this in a minute. Number two, he says, I want you to give a ram offering. The first time you have to understand that anything you see in the Word of God, if you want to understand it, it always means the exact same thing throughout the Word of God. Always. And so the very first time we see the ram is in Genesis, whenever Abraham goes up to the top of the mountain, God had told him, he said, go up there and slay your son. And he, you know, I mean, come on, we, we know how that would feel. God, are you sure this is really what you want? And he's praying all the way to the top. I mean, uh, his poor old son is getting nervous. He says, daddy, I see, I see the wood. I see the, I see the fire. I see the Zippo lighter. But God, uh, he says, daddy, where, where, the, where's the sacrifice? He said, God, God will provide. God, God will provide. He says, don't worry about it. Just God will provide. And so he keeps on going up. His son says it again. He says, he says, Daddy, I see the, I see the straw. I see, I see the Zippo lighter. I see, I, I see it. But where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide. And all of a sudden, he's about to sacrifice his son. He's in full throat motion. And all of a sudden, he says, Abraham, stay your hand. And all of a sudden, he looks back, and there's a ram in the thicket. It means a faithful sacrifice. Yeah. And can I be real honest with you? It's not that Abraham was so faithful to God. It's that God was faithful to him. See, we got to get this stuff out of our own own spirit. It ain't about you. It's about him. It ain't about how faithful you've been, but it's been about how faithful God's been. How do you know your ship would have failed many times if God had not would have came through? But you got to have a word in your spirit to say, you know what? I don't understand but some things, but God will provide. And all of a sudden we get up there and he says, there is what God has provided. See, when you begin to worship, you got to understand why you're worshiping. It's not because I've been so faithful, but it's because he's been so faithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need to get like the ten lepers and say, you know what, I'm cleansed, I'm doing well, but I need to be thankful. My God, he's got me through another week. He's kept breath within my body. He's kept me with a job. I'm still walking. Even if I ain't even walking good, I still got breath within my body. God, you are faithful. Yeah. Number three, he says, I want you to have a bull off. And, and, and I don't want to take this real deep, but it also, it, anytime that we're sin, it means we're stubborn and prideful away from God. And so a lot of times they would take these bullocks and it would mean a, 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 
uh, a sacrifice for sin because of the stubborn, prideful sins within the nation. That's, that's what it means. Uh, but I want to just stretch it just a take. Can I just stretch it for a second? Uh, you need to get a stubborn praise down inside of you. Yeah. You need to, you've been bullheaded about enough stuff. You need to get bullheaded about worshiping God, my God. You need to get stubborn down inside of you that says, though you slay me, yet will I worship you. A thousand may fall in my right hand and 10,000 may fall in my left, but glory be to God. You need to get an old stubborn praise that says, devil, I may not feel like lifting my hands. I may not feel like worshiping today. But, but body, you shut up. We're going to worship God today. I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship him till there's nothing left in me. I'm going to worship him regardless of if it's my song or not. I'm going to worship him even if I don't even understand the words. I'm going to worship him because God is worthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just worship him. Just worship him stubbornly. Say, body, shut up. Mind, shut up. Even if you got to look at your kids and say, shut up and sit down. Your mama's going to worship today. I'm going to worship him because he's worthy to be praised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to go back to seven. I'm going to do it till I'm complete. I'm going to do it till I've been made whole. I'm going to do it till I get everything in God. I'm going to do it because he is worthy to be praised. Yeah. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout yes. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, we shall continually bring a sacrifice of praise. Shall continually bring. Shall continually bring. Listen, on my job, all the sinners, and, I, and listen, if you smoke and you're safe, I'm not calling you a sinner, but most of the people at my job are sinners that smoke. When they get real aggravated and everything's going crazy, they say, whoa, time out. I got to go take a smoke break. And I began to realize I wasn't taking breaks at all. And so I looked at my boss one day and I said, you know what? I don't smoke. I don't even smoke because I'm saved. I'm just smoke because I'm smart. Hallelujah. I work at a cancer center. It's not smart to be working, smoking at a cancer center. Hallelujah. But I said, if they can get a, a cigarette break to release some tension, you're going to start giving me 15-minute prayer breaks. Because you don't understand God is my medication. And if you take my medication away from me, you ain't going to have a good person on your hands. You take my peace away from me, you're going to see a crazy person. You take my joy away from me, you're going to see a hateful person. You take my love away from me. You're going to see something that's going to cause more storms than anything. You've got to let me take a continual sacrifice of praise. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Instead of cursing those folk out underneath your breath, you need to begin to bless those people underneath your breath. Underneath your breath. You need to begin to say, God bless them. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord bless them. 
Bless them, God. Bless them, God. They didn't even mean to, they didn't even mean to try to curse me, but God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. God, don't even turn that kind of wrath over on them. God, just bless them. Bless them. Bless them. All of a sudden, Balaam, I'm coming to a close. Balaam began to get a revelation through all this. He began to say in verse 19, he said, God is not a man that he should lie. I want to encourage you today that if God put a word over top of your life, it will come to pass. If God said that person is going to come into the kingdom, you just keep on waiting. It's going to come into the kingdom. God said he's going to give you promotion. You just keep on pushing. Promotion is coming. God said he's going to give you that business. You just keep on pressing. God's going to give you that business. God said he's going to give you that healing. You just keep declaring that word over top of that sickness. Health is coming to your life. God is not a man that he should lie. If it lines up with the word of God, you keep declaring it by his stripes. I am healed. Well, you know what? The pain is still there by his stripes. I am healed. You keep on declaring it. I am the head and not the tail. Come on now. You got to say, God, you will not lie. Man has disappointed me. Some things have disappointed me, but God, you have never disappointed me. And God, you may not see this promise coming yet, but God is coming around the corner. Number two, he says, I have been commanded. Somebody shout commanded. God is very serious when he begins to talk about commandment. He is not asking you to do something. He is making you do something. So he told his enemy, he says, you bless them whether you like it or not. He says, don't pull it back. I'm not lying to you. I'm not playing games with you. I'm commanding you to bless them. And he, and he began to tell Balak, he said, he's blessed them and I've blessed them and I can not reverse it. I cannot take it back. Can I tell you something? You are so blessed in this place that no matter what man does, you're still blessed. No matter what the devil tries to say over top of your life, you are still blessed. No matter what the devil tries to whisper in your ear, you are still blessed. You need to walk in your home and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why am I saying that? Because my house is blessed. Come on now. My house is blessed and God cannot take it back. He has commanded you to be blessed. He has commanded you to be blessed. There's one verse of Malachi. He says there's a blessing that's coming that is about to overtake you. Can I ask you a question today? Can you handle the blessing that's coming? Can you handle what's coming to your house? Can you handle what's about to happen to your bank account? Can you handle what's about to happen to your blessing? you got to start getting ready. Say, you know what? I don't even know what I'd do if I had those kind of finances. You start getting you some goals. You start getting you some vision. Say, what would I do if they gave me the promotion? If they gave me the promotion, I don't even know if I could lead people. Why dare you just start leading people? Get you a couple dogs. Get them on a leash and say, I command you to listen because God has called me to bleed. God has called me to serve. You will follow me. And if they don't want to listen, yank them up by the neck and say, dog, you will listen. Just start getting ready in every area of your life. Every area. God can't bless a mess. But you need to say, so God, let me get these things in order. Because God, I want to be.
be right when you begin to bless me. God, when things start coming to my home, God, I don't want to lose the blessing. But God, I want to be able to keep the blessing. God, I want things in my life to be in order and in perfect order. I want structure coming to my life. I want things coming to my life. Because blessing is about to happen. Look at three people beside you and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. All of a sudden, we begin to see Balak in Numbers chapter, this is 23, in Numbers chapter 24, we begin to see that Balaam begins to prophesy. Uh, How many of the enemy ain't worried about your past? He's worried about your future. (laughs) He knows more of the word over top of your life than even you do at times. He knows more of the word over top of your life than even it seems like what you're walking in. And the enemy begins to prophesy. And he begins to speak the blessings of God over top of their life. But specifically, he comes to Numbers chapter 23. And he begins to say there is a great lion that's going to begin to rise up. That is going to kill the Amalekites. And why is that important? Because he's not talking just about any old kind of natural lion. He's not talking just about the Amalekites in general. But the Amalekites goes all the way back to Esau. And it means the flesh. He says, but there's going to be a great line that's going to begin to rise up that's going to destroy the flesh. My God, how do you know God came in the flesh to destroy the flesh that we might walk in the spirit of God? You just missed that. It went three layers over top of your head. God came in the flesh, destroyed the flesh on the cross that you might walk in the spirit of God. All of a sudden, I told you in Romans chapter 15, he says that one man, because of one man, sin entered into this world. He knew whenever he got sin into Adam, Adam and Eve were in the most blessed place a person could possibly be. It was a place that was prepared for him. It was a perfect place. It was a blessed place. He said, but I know if I get sin down in that garden, what is blessed will become cursed. So all of a sudden he began to tempt Eve. He got he got Adam into, into to sin. And all of a sudden for generations and generations, what was once blessed was cursed. God began to come through prophets. And he began to tell them how blessed they were. He began to tell them how, how wonderful they were. But all of a sudden because of the sin within their life, they kept backsliding and sliding back into the curse. But Jesus said enough is enough. He said there ain't nothing about no bullet coffin that's going to save you. There ain't nothing about no pigeons that's going to save you. There ain't nothing about no lamb that's going to save you. He said, but I've got to send the pure and the spotless lamb which is the lamb of God. And all of a sudden God and God incarnate came to the flesh. He began to live a life without sin. He began to live a life without that curse. And all of a sudden they took this man, which is Jesus. They took him and hung him to a cross. They stretched him wide. They hung him high. Why? Because he said, I'm going to get the blessing back to these people. I'm going to reverse this thing that they've been cursed in. They've been cursed for 4,000 years. He said, but if I lay down my life, my God, he said, if I lay down my life, he said, all of a sudden the blessings of God are going to come back back to them. He said, all that's going to take is just one drop of my blood. That's why he went back to the curse garden and he began to sweat great drops of blood because he was taking the curse and reversing it. Somebody say reverse it. He was reversing the curse. He said my blood will reverse the blood. The, the blood. We will reverse the curse. That's why the word begins to say that through the word we are washed through the word. But we have also been re- 
regenerated, my God. We have been regenerated. I don't care what's in your past life. I don't care what's working generationally over top of you. I don't care if cancer runs all the way through your your family's veins. I don't care if, if alcoholism runs through your family. That when you get regenerated by the blood of Jesus Christ, he said everything that was cursed now is blessed because they ain't working with normal blood no more. They ain't working with Matthew's blood. They ain't working with Sparks' blood. But they're working with the blood of Jesus Christ that flows from Calvary. He said, I will reverse this curse. He said, I will begin to be bruised for their transgression. I will be pierced for their sins. He said, by my stripes, they will be healed. See, ever since the cross of Calvary, this generation has been blessed for the last 2,000 years. This generation has been blessed. That's why it says in Revelation, we have victory through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why he said, we are made overcomers by the word of our testimony. That's why you got to begin to declare over top of yourself, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm blessed. My family's blessed. My home is blessed. My, my business is blessed. My finances are blessed. My body is blessed. My car is blessed. My feet are blessed. My hands are blessed. My mind is blessed. My heart is blessed. My blood is blessed. See, this is what's so powerful about it. Israel did not deserve the blessing. But in, in, in that last verse there, in 21, he says there was a shout of the king among them. That's why you got to keep a praise in your lips. Because what you're declaring is, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I dare you to high-five three people and just tell them I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Even if you don't like it, I'm blessed. Even if you can't stand it, I'm blessed. I'm not trying to show off, but baby, I'm blessed. I'm favored by him. I am blessed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says, I'm blessed in the field and I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the fruit of my body. I'm blessed in my basket. I'm blessed in my coming in and I'm blessed in my going out. The Lord will command, there's that word again, command a blessing upon my house. My God, he will command a blessing over my house. I'm going to say that again to you. He will command a blessing over my house. He will make my plenteous in goods. He will make my good treasures. He will make a rain in a land with dry season. He will bless all the work of my hands. I'm blessed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm blessed. Everything I put my hands to do. Don't hate on me. But in Numbers chapter 24, he says everybody that will bless Israel will be blessed. And everybody that will curse Israel will be blessed. See, that's why you got to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. you got to bless with those that are blessing. Don't curse.
curse them. Don't hate on them. Don't be a hater, but just begin to bless them. Say, let me get up next to you and rub off on you and say, bless me, bless, bless me. Can I give you a little hint? See, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's the whole reason I'm at this church. We could have went on and pastored somewhere else. But I said, no, 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 I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a break. And I'm going to rub shoulders with Bishop. Yeah. And I ain't even got to be beside him. Just let me be behind him. Just let me touch the blessing on your life. Let me touch the wisdom in your life. Can I tell you something? There's people all around this state that can't stand the growth in this church. And you know what? Can I tell you what happens? Their churches don't grow. Yeah. But when you get up beside them and you say, this is a kingdom thing. Yeah, yeah. God, the things ain't been right in my life. Reverse. God, the things that I can't figure out. Reverse it. Things that I can't make happen. God, just reverse it. If you would stand up with me on your feet. Look at somebody beside you and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. I want you to come to this altar. I don't, I don't tarry a lot with the altar calls. You either come or you don't. God works heavily in the prophetic or I could call you out and speak over top of you anyhow, but God ain't telling me to do that this morning. God's just calling you to come. I want you to stand because I want to pray for you. You know what? If you ain't seen the things that you know are in your spirit happening yet, I want you to come. I want you to come. This, all this altar is, is declaring... I'm blessed.